no, I was going to look. I wanted to look into it. I, uh, yeah. My problem was I, I listened to the uh, the scene last night that Aguda had. It was a Zoom scene from Brooklyn. They had a Rabbi Leaf. Uh-huh. And it turned out there were so many people tuned in, the Zoom connection was terrible. I mean, like every 10 seconds, it stopped and then it started again but only at the point that he was at so mm -hmm. he asked the question i never heard the answer oh no they all talk about it. that's what everybody wants it's it's unusual to say if you're talking about humility they say well there's me you know well well wouldn't you assume that the other person was more humble humble also how do you grade people on their humility you know how do you say well what do you mean he's the most humble i can beat him at his game how, well how would you exactly how would you know how to measure? You know, it's like if you, there are other things you can measure, but how do you, so in what way would you say that, how would you know that I'm, I, you know, when it comes to humility, oh, he, you know, he doesn't compare to me. <laughs> so I, I hear, but I, I, I don't have a favorite answer. Let's put it that way. If I find out something, I'll let you know. Appreciate it. What? Right, right. So I'm kind of asking, how do you know awareness? How do you know? How do you measure it? Corporation, they do the 360 degree evaluation. They mm -hmm. ask everybody, like from the cleaning lady to mm -hmm. your to your supervisor, to evaluate in a particular uh -huh. operational metric. Yeah. And then you know they give you. This is metrics can because other observations. Uh -huh. They do it for the residents. They do it yeah. in, in the corporate world. They say you have a certificate. Everybody recognizes that you're the most. You're company. the most humble. Yeah. That's right. Okay. <laughs> Who in this company do you think is? Yeah. If a person sees someone else going through something, see how they react. They'll say, "Oh, how would I have reacted?" Mm -hmm. I see. Right. Right. You could look at someone else and say, "Right, that, then I would have been." I. I hear. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're in the. Uh, they, there's an expression that the Gemara is the Yam HaTalmud, the Sea of the Talmud, and. I, I was thinking about this, uh, you know, sometimes you jump in a pool and the water is very cold. It takes a few minutes to warm up, you know, at the first, first few say you're just like freezing and then after a while you don't even notice it. So in some ways, the Numa Sechta is like that. It's, it's very different. Every Gemara is like totally, you know, you jump in and you know, you're like lost. Or the, so here, the good news is we got Rashi back, we got Tosus back. We don't have to rush to get the words on the page. On the other hand, we have to think about what the words mean, but it's uh, but it'll take it takes. I always find it takes a few days just to just for the water to to get used to it to to uh, for the temperatures to adjust. Uh, even to you start liking a masechta more once you're in it a little bit. Once you get used to what it's trying to do and the way it's uh, the, the you know the beginning, it's, it you just it just takes effort to try to see what's happening. Okay, we're going to start on page base base of Madaus. Wow, that's so interesting. Right, that's right. So, uh, the um, so there's always we're going through the seder of nashim, all the things that have to do with women, and it's uh, you know it's uh, it's interesting. There are quite a few um, uh, different masechtas or different parshas that deal with with women and with marriage. And um, this is with how to, how to end a marriage. And it, it's always, um, in other words, the Torah allows for people to get married and the Torah allows for people to separate. And 
it's very, very important because if a woman is married and then she uh, leaves her husband and go lives with another man and she's not divorced, so then she's committing adultery and then he's committing adultery. And so it's important that Torah, there's a vehicle called marriage where people are connected and halakhically they're connected. And then there's the separation. There's the divorce. There's the get. And so the question is, the get has to be done in a way that's valid. Otherwise, they're still married. Uh, and so uh, the question is, what is the Torah requirement for a get, a bill of divorce? Uh, and that's the, the question that Armas Sexton deals with. What is the, um, uh, um, you know, what exactly are the requirements for it? And does it differ from other documents? We have documents, concept of a document, uh, 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 a deed. What is that? You know, how do I prove I own land? I bring a deed. Is this just like a deed? You know, is it a, it's not just a recording that they got divorced. The actual divorce is made with this document, meaning that when he gives it to her hand, that's the, the cutting off. That's the separation. And so it, it has to be written in such a way it's a safer crisis. It's a bill, a document that separates them. So we're going to begin to learn... What? No, we had, we had Ksuvas already. Okay, so let's begin the Mishnah. If a person brings a bill of divorce from far across the sea. So uh, we, uh, what, what do you call across the sea? What's that? What's that terminology, Rashi? Uh, any place outside the land of Israel, that's called across the sea, except for Bavel. Bavel's not across the sea. Uh, but every other place, you're way out there. It's, it's like you're outside of New York. You're out of town, you know, let's say. But it's across the sea, except for Bavel, as Rashi said. So anybody that brings a get, we're going to see um, right away that we're, we're talking about how do we confirm a document, uh, meaning the husband lives in a different city, and the wife, uh, the wife is in Eretz Israel, and uh, the mail arrives, and here comes the get. And how do we know that this is a legitimate bill of divorce? Maybe, uh, maybe someone's out there to get her, or mess her up, or do whatever, or maybe it wasn't written correctly. Maybe the husband himself uh, is playing games with her and didn't sign it, or didn't write it correctly. Original identity theft. Correct. That's right. Yeah, it's not new. Right, right. That's right. It's a it could be a forgery. It could be. Uh, and then maybe later on, he's going to claim he never wrote it. He never signed it. The witnesses aren't good. So how do we... Um, so in Eretz Israel, so we're all in the same country. We all use the same database. So there we can assume that the documents follow the spec and they're known how to be written. And, uh, but well, this came from outside of Eretz Israel. And so the question is, what do we require? We're going to see real quick in the Gemara that there's going to be two opinions about what the issue is. One, one view is the issue is, uh, um, who are these witnesses? You know, these witnesses, there's somebody from Japan or China or Jews. There are Jews there. Like, uh, the, the new thing is uh, we get hashkachas from all over the world, and we try to evaluate them. Um, they have phony hashkachas that, that don't exist from like China or Ch Taiwan. They're very good at doing knockoffs. And so there's hashkacha knockoffs where they, they do a little bit of 
pasting and they make a certificate that looks like, and you look at that and think, that doesn't look like the, you know, it's something's wrong, you know. And the, um, uh, so here the question is, are, how do we know these witnesses represent real people? And do we have signatures to compare them to? And then the other question is, even if we know they represent real people, um, were they learned enough to do it correctly? In other words, in these small farming villages all over the world where Jews were sent to, sometimes they weren't so learned. Uh, there are a lot of questions in America uh, because uh, people, Jews, lived in different towns and they would sometimes write a divorce and the, they weren't um, sophisticated about it. And in some cases, it wasn't, you know, even in, uh, you know, traditional places, they, they thought they were divorced, and they pull out the paper, and you look at it, and you say, wait a second, this, is, uh, this isn't, uh, and then meanwhile, they've remarried, and the kids would be bastards, you know, it would be terrible, like the, and, and, but the, the books, that the, the Chubas Farm are up there, they're full of cases like that, where there was questions about getting that were written, and it's not an easy thing to write a get, it takes an expertise. Uh, even to know, um, you have to identify the place by naming the um, geography. Like, how do I know a city? You can't just write Atlanta. Well, what's Atlanta? You got to write. So they had there. There's about about uh, 100 pages about how to spell Chattahoochee in Hebrew. You know, it's how do you spell it? Well, well, look at the Chumash. Well, there is no Chattahoochee in the Chumash. So how would you what taking those words and transferring it into Hebrew? How would you? How would you spell it? It ended up being that there was a big argument about that, um, and the, uh, about the Chattahoochee. Um, what? Oh, okay. That's it. You need a You need to identify a place by a body of water nearby. And so, what's the biggest body that meets that? You know, what can you what can you put on the divorce? So anyway, it's, it's a complicated study. So let's begin. Um, yeah. If somebody witnesses deliver a divorce from across the sea, which means outside of Israel to Israel, and they're saying this came from your husband, so they need to say, this document that was written was written in front of me. I'm not just a delivery person. I'm not just uh, uh, the Amazon guy. No, I was there when this document was written. And I witnessed that the witnesses signed it. Reb Gamliel Omar. Reb Gamliel said, and now we're going to see multiple opinions, and we'll wait for the Gemara to understand what they're arguing about. Reb Gamliel says, Afa mevi mina rechem and mina chagar. Uh, even from rechem and chagar, which were not so far across the sea, you have to have this kind of testimony. They were nearby, nearby areas. Relazar says, what do you mean, even rechem and chagar? Afilu mikfar ludim lelud. Even uh, from a place called the village of Lud to Lud. So sometimes you have, it's like, um, it's like a suburb that has a similar name. You know, so it's really right outside. It's not even like a distant area. He says, uh, you don't need to, it's not a requirement to say that. He says, now we introduce, um, not only is it the one who brings it uh, from, from outside of Eretz Israel to Eretz Israel, but even in Eretz Israel, uh, bringing from one part to another, you still need to make this declaration. The witnesses have to know that. 
Rishin Gamliel says, Afilu mahagmonia lahagmonia, even from one side of town to the other. Now, what you would say, why in the world would you need one side of town to the other? Well, um, sometimes there are people that you ask them about somebody in Dunwoody, and they say, who? I never heard of that guy. <laughs> it's possible that you never leave your neighborhood. Like, you just don't know somebody from the other side of town. Uh, let's see Rashi. Mahagmonia uh, lahagmonia. The Gemara Mefarsh, the Gemara will explain, Ir Achas. So I, I think I, I, it's one of our, uh, interesting subjects, why Rashi sometimes just says, let's wait for the Gemara, and sometimes he, he explains it right away on the Mishnah, and sometimes he does a little bit of both, which is what he's doing here. He's saying the full explanation will be in the Gemara. Meanwhile, I'll tell you a little bit about what's going on. And, so, and Rashi was a, a, an unbelievable... Um, you know, like the way he knew how, what we needed and doesn't need, and so it opens up whole new areas when you try to examine that. But anyway, let's look at the Rashi. Magmoni, Gmoni, Gmoni first. Tomorrow we'll explain this. Ir Achas, the same city that had two Hagmonim. They had two mayors, uh, Brookhaven and Atlanta, or Dikeav, Makpidin Ze Alzev, and uh, they, uh, they didn't talk to each other. They, like one neighborhood didn't have so much to do with the other neighborhood. You know, one didn't go to the other. They were like two different teams or something. So, therefore, even though uh, they was technically the same town, you needed to have testimony because you really didn't know how they do it. And again, some, to some extent, some of the outlying areas of Atlanta, you know, Cobb or something, we have no idea what, you know, who the people are over there. It's like a different, uh, you know, uh, what, what goes on. Back to the mark. Rabbi Huda Omar um, Now, now we need to define the borders of Eretz Yisrael. What's called? Where does Eretz Yisrael end? So Rabbi Huda says, "Mirechem the Mizrach from the city of Rechem to the east," and but Rechem itself is like is is part of it. May Ashkelon the Dorm in the south you go from Ashkelon, but Ashkelon Kedorim that's part of the that that's the that's that city itself is the is the border. May Akol to the north. So we're, we're missing the West. Let's see, Rashi, what happened to the West? Um, yeah, let's see, Rashi, about the West. Verechem, Rashi, on the right side. That's like the, the East side. These cities are just outside the border. So if you delivered a divorce from those cities, you'd have to make this declaration. But may Rechem circle fun. If you bring a divorce from the city of Rechem circle, it's interesting. Jews have always been spread out all over the place, right? The Cain Kulam Rechem the Mizrach She Rechem is to the uh, the east of Eretz Yisrael. V'chutzelo V'ashkelon is to the south. V'achol Litzvono. It's very interesting. Um, uh, there's a famous story when they uh, they the initial. Uh, peace wave in Eretz Israel, like uh, in 48, they had a ceasefire, but they never had peace with like Jordan or with Egypt, and it took many, many years. Uh, we're still not even there, even though supposedly there's peace treaties. So when they met the king of Jordan, the custom always to give a leader a gift. And so, um, they, you know, somebody, they, uh, Israelis are, were never into protocol so much, or they don't have, America has like a whole state department where they have people that's that specialize in this, that you pay, you know, big bucks that, that somebody decides what gift is, what appropriate. And so in Israel, so the, the guy decided, you know what, he did, what should I give him? I'll give him a Bible. You know, he figured give him a Torah, like, you know, that'll be a nice... So he gave him a Bible, but he didn't look at it. It was an Israeli. 
and the Bible had a map of biblical Eretz Israel, which included the Jordan. So the, the king opens up the, and he sees this map of Israel, including his territory. Uh, that meeting didn't go so well. <laughs> that was the, uh, but uh, but uh, the, the, the borders are very central. So Ashkelon is in the south, Akko is in the north. But where's the west? Abel Marush Eretz Israel, Rashi says, ain't so you don't need a border. Shehayam Hagadol Gvul, because you have the Mediterranean. So the, uh, you have the Mediterranean, so you didn't have any cities in the water, so that's why it's missing over here. Okay, back to Mishnah. He says, Akko is like a Jewish town for Gittin. Next, Now, if it's the other way around, you're bringing it from Eretz Yisrael to Chutzoretz, uh, so the husband's in Israel, the wife's outside, then, first of all, everybody knows the Jews in Israel, like they were well known and the and it's easy to check, and, and also they, in Israel, the things were done correctly. What do you do if, if there's somebody who says, um, uh, who's the complainer over here? The complainer, who's going who's gonna to say a get is no good? Rashi Shahabal, the husband. The husband's going to say it's a forgery. Basically, his wife is going to remarry and lead, dump him, and he's going to say, where are you going? I, I never divorced you, and she pulls out a get. And so he said, and it has signatures on it. And he says, it's a forgery. So what do you do if the husband says uh, it's a forgery? So uh, then you do, and again, it's similar to other documents, you validate the signatures. Um, now, how do you validate signatures? Rashi. You do it, we'll have to get used to that. We'll, uh, Baruch Hashem will have more time for Rashi, but really reading Rashi is reading a Gemara. It's, it's, that's how today we, I mean, Rashi is, to, to us, Rashi is Gemara. We, Gemara is a closed book. It's really only with Rashi do we begin to understand it. Sometimes we had no time for Rashi or we didn't have the real Rashi, but now we got the real Rashi. So um, ideally, we, we, in those Masechtas that are smaller, we try to incorporate the Rashi a lot more. There's room to ask questions on Rashi, but um, sometimes rather than explaining things, I'd rather let, let Rashi explain it, you know, because he's, um, Rashi, so first of all, one way to do it is you go to that person and say, "Did you sign this?" Right? That's the way. In other words, so and so, John John Hancock. So you go to John Hancock and you say, "Hey, John, did you sign this?" Yeah, he signed that. Okay. Oh, acherim, or you get other witnesses. Yachiru chasimasan, they identify the signature. Yeah, that's the way he signs. Kasher, then it's kasher. V'im ain't love orim. Now, what about if nobody challenges it? So, uh, uh, do you still need to call witnesses and confirm it? Mistam kasher. You assume it's kasher. Dabaki and lishma, because uh, people, uh, the courts typically knew how to write these documents. He's what he's trying to say is that typically you would assume that. If witnesses were well-known people and it's in Israel, it's very easy to confirm them. So you, you only confirmed it if there was somebody claiming there was a problem here. Otherwise, you would have accepted it. And it's very, uh, very easy to find uh, people to confirm these. They had set courts. There were, they, the courts tended to have certain people who were available to witness documents, and their names became <coughs> pretty well-known. Like in the old days... Um, when they used to do divorces, the shul had Mr. Glussman, uh, he should be well, was, uh, 
for many, many years he was in the office. So whenever the scribe needed a witness, and it was the shul, and the shul didn't have so many observant people, and certainly not in the middle of the day who were available. So he signed, you know, for like 20 years, every divorce that came out of Atlanta, he would have been one of the witnesses, uh, you know, on the divorce. Uh, you'll see, uh, uh, but, but, uh, but they, so it was pretty easy to confirm a witness because if it came from a certain city, there'd be two or three people who you would expect to see their name, and you'd be familiar with what their name was, and uh, that would be... Uh, in fact, there were some years where they would get us because we had a Kashrus commission in the same building. And so we tried not to be here, but every now and then they would, you know, oh, I need a witness, come on in, you know, because uh, you need two witnesses and uh, um, uh, it would be in the middle of the day. And so sometimes that was, uh, that was common in those days that, uh, uh, to see that. Let's see the Gemara. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I, I understand what, I know Rashi really just answered my main question that I had, but generally Chazal, you know, look for the lowest common denominator. And they want to have the same standard, especially like what was just during the Chos Nidah I told you about. And uh, we look for like really standards. So why don't why don't we just Chazal say if you bring a get, you have to verify the signatures? Just plain and simple. I mean, we go through this whole Mishnah here, yes, here, no. And Rashi says that it, uh, you know there were a few people that basically it seems, sounds like every community had a few people that were the signers and they were known, but they definitely didn't have the kind of technology uh-huh. we have today. So Great. Why don't we just have the standard that okay. you bring a get? You have to say it, it's four words. But funny, funny, What's the big deal? Okay. Great question, Richard. <coughs> um, so um, I'll I'll have to admit one of the first thing I do when I look at a question is I see if Tosas has it. Uh, because, you know, people think good, you know, that's, first of all, we're descended from the Balita, so those might be our grandparents, and, uh, but, uh, so, let, let's, Richard is asking, wh- shouldn't we always just confirm the signatures? Like, why should we take the chance, or why should, you know, why should there be two standards? One is if the husband, if somebody challenges, why don't we just confirm, the courts should always get testimony that the signatures are good. So, let's see Tosus. Uh, bottom Tosus. Im yesh edim orim. It's a big tosos, but we're only going to do the first line or two. Okay. If there are, if somebody's complaining, the husband says, I never wrote that, as long as the husband doesn't come and say, this divorce is no good, we let the woman remarry with this document. And we don't say, how do you know it's not a forgery? Why don't we always do that? He says, really, you're right. Really, that would be the best way to go. But we're going to introduce a new element over here. Uh, when it comes to a woman wanting to remarry, we don't want women to be stuck. We don't want to make it hard for them. And so as long as there's no reason to assume anybody's challenging this paper, um, and uh, she's, by the way, knows if it's good or not. She would know if their husband wants to dump her or not. She would have a good idea if the, it was a forgery. And so, you know, and, and, uh, but we don't want to put, uh, make it, it we're going to see this concept again and again. We, you know, the, the, somebody wants to remarry and the, the husband. Um, so the truth is today, after Rabbeinu Gershon, where a man isn't allowed to have more than one wife, he's also stuck if the divorce is not, not, doesn't go through. He can't remarry either. He can't have two wives. But uh, a woman certainly can't remarry unless she gets divorced. And so the rabbis were lenient for Iniguna to allow her to. But on the other hand, if this isn't a divorce papers, somebody's trying to collect a debt, 
and somebody comes up and says, here, you signed this. You know, you borrowed money. The estate owes money. Tainan mezuyef. Lenifra shalobafanov. If somebody tries to collect, we, we say, how do I know it's not a forgery? We make the one who wants to collect prove it each time. Uh, it's okay. But anyway, so that's, that's I, I believe Tosos is coming to address that, that issue. He has more to say, but let's move that's on. Good. Let's see the Gemara. My time, so why in the world do we need to testify about the, that we have a divorce? What's the problem? Rabbi Omar, famous debate. We're going to come back to it often. And it's very confusing because two rabbis have almost the same name, Rabbah and Rava. We've got to get used to that. A lot of times people have similar sounding names. Rabbah said, not only that, one of the big challenges was this was originally done orally. And so when they wrote it down, the scribe wasn't listening. He mixed up Rabbah and Rava. So there are many Gemaras where the Gemara mixes up who said what, and on the side of the page they fix it. Rabbah, Rava, Rava, Rava. But anyway, he says the reason is the fish ain't a and lishma. Because the courts outside the land of Israel are not so sophisticated, especially in a small town, they do what's called an ad hoc bezdin. They just get three rabbis together, and uh, they may not know how to do it correctly. They may not do it, um, but the, the concept of lishma is where you have to have the, uh, it has to be written specifically with the people in mind. You can't write ahead of time. You have to know in other words, sometimes a, a scribe is waiting there and the people didn't show up, so he starts, starts to write the divorce without knowing the names or the people. No, he has to be told ahead of time. Write, the husband has to say to him, write this bill of divorce to separate between him. But if he goes ahead and does it uh, without lishma, it's no good. Lefish ain't a lishma. You can't trust them. Rashi lefish ain't lishma. So Rashi uses a great language. Ain't a b'nei medina siyon b'nei Torah. He said, outside of Israel, they're not B'nai Torah. They just don't, you know, they don't. The Ein Yodim, even the Beisdin. The Ein Yodim, Shesorik, Liftev, I get Lishma. Lishema Isha. They don't know that it has to be written everything in mind. The Kroksiv, and it's Minah Torah. The Torah writes, because of law, Sefer Krisis. It says, La, to her. The Hanu Lishma. It has to be written for this woman. Hilchuk, Omer, Ashliak, B'fanei Nechta, B'fanei Nechta, uh, this, the messenger will say, yeah, I was there when it was written, and so we'll ask him, the truth is there's something missing from this opinion. The witnesses testified that it was written in front of us, but that's not what we're after. We want to know, was it written correctly? But basically, if they testify it was written, so then we have the ability to ask them, was it written correctly? So they're not, they're not, uh, they're not even just testifying that it was written Lishma, they come and they just say, yes, we were there. And then we ask them, by the way, you know, did, you, did they know what was happening? Um, uh, the, the Gemara is going to... What? The Gemara just said, instead of finding out about Nephilim, they should have said, was it written Lishma? Yeah, the Gemara is going to ask that. Yeah, that's, that's the end of that. But any, but any rate, that it's just interesting, this opinion. They're not actually saying, they're saying we were there. And so, oh, you were there? Good. Now we can find out what the deal was. Okay. Rabbi says a whole different reason. As the reason we need them is not, we're not worried about the court that wrote it. We're just worried about forgeries. Lafish ain't ain't him, it's the Kaimo. We don't, there's no witnesses. Uh, we don't have anybody from uh, the middle of nowhere. You know, this divorce came from some small town in, in Babylonia or Egypt. We have no way of knowing who those witnesses are. So therefore, we, we must have witnesses who know them. 
So my benai, what's the difference between these two opinions? Ika benai the asu If you have two witnesses that bring it, so those witnesses, um, uh, if you have those two witnesses that uh, that bring it, and uh, and both of them were were appointed to deliver it, so um, uh, you have witnesses now. You have two witnesses to confirm it, so they well, they wouldn't have to say whether um, you, if you have two witnesses. Um, if you say that uh, you still need to find out if it was written lishma, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But if the issue is witnesses, you have two, or inami. If you're in Eretz Yisrael from one part of the country to the other, uh, in Eretz Yisrael they for sure knew what they were doing. It was a land of Torah. Everybody knew how to write a get. But uh, whether or not you'll know the witnesses, that that you know, if it's from a different part, you wouldn't know them. Or inami ba'osu medina medina sayam. Or if you're in the same country and you're across the sea, if the issue is, will somebody know them? Well, in your city, you'll know the people. But if, if the issue is, was it written correctly? No, outside of Eretz Israel, all bets were off. Ula Rabba, we used to have this problem, we still do, that um, sometimes, um, uh, so for example, Shemitah wine, uh, you're really not supposed to send Shemitah wine outside of Israel. Problem is difficult whether you could drink it or not. Certainly not after the, a certain date are you allowed to drink Shemitah wine. So they won't send it to New York because they know Jews are knowledgeable and they typically won't, they won't be able to sell that product there. It's very common. They'll ship it to Atlanta. They think we can't read Hebrew, you know, and, uh, and they could sell, you know, and so because they, they think, you know, you, the further out you go, like people are not so knowledgeable that you can... Uh, you can send them stuff that they won't notice or they won't... Uh, um, so, yeah, so then Medina Sayyam, uh, they, they might not know the rules about writing Gittin. According to Rabbah, who says that you need to know if it was written correctly, why don't you need two witnesses? You always need two. Why are we only dealing with one witness over here? Testimony is two. So the Gemara answered, There's two different things. There's dine mominus, monetary issues, you need two witnesses. And then there's something, whether something is forbidden from the Torah. So for that, we trust one. That's why you're allowed to eat from your wife's cooking. She says it's kosher, that's one witness. That's why a husband is, uh, believes the wife. She went to the mikvah, whatever. It's, uh, one witness is believed for something forbidden. So the Gemara says, Eime when do I say one witness is enough? You buy a piece of meat. Now, there's fat and there's fat. There's kosher fat. Fat actually doesn't always mean fat. It means a fatty piece of meat, a juicy steak that has, has fat dripping in it, right? So if it's from the part of the animal that goes on the Mizbeach, that's forbidden. That's chalif. If it's from the part of the animal that's okay, that's permitted. Once it's been cut up into a steak form, you can't tell the difference whether it's chalif or whether it's shuman. So somebody... Okay, but not the desecrated animal, just any, any, any animal. animal. right. That, that's right. So typically we don't use the, 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 that, that section of it because of that, that fat is cut out, usually. That, that was the part. So, So if somebody comes to you and says, this is a kosher piece of fatty meat, I don't know if this is forbidden fat. Suffolk shoshuman, or this is a kosher fat. The lowest kazagisura. 
So we, we don't know one way or another. Someone says it's kosher, so of course we trust them. Why, you know, we, we, there's no reason for us to believe they got the wrong piece of meat. But over here, this lady is starting out married. In other words, if we don't know and one witness tells us it's one way, so maybe then we could believe one witness. But over here, the starting point is she's married. She was married. She's Mrs. So-and-so. So wouldn't we need more than one witness to take that away and say she's no longer a missus? She's single? Uh, uh, she's starting out forbidden. The Aishas Ish. She belongs to, uh, she's a married lady. Now this is a matter dealing with marital laws. You should need two. So why would one witness be enough? So if you don't know, and we didn't, the starting point isn't whether it's permitted or forbidden, we have no idea. So one witness is enough. But over here, where the starting point is, she was married, and we want to take that away. We want to remove from an assumption. So we should need two witnesses. So the Gemara gives an answer. Uh, the reason we don't need two is we follow the majority. It's an interesting majority. Roy Bikian. Most, most places that write these uh, documents, they know what they're doing. And so it's true. Uh, normally we need more than one witness. But over here, um, uh, we, we, we're not suspicious. You have to be suspicious that they didn't know what they were doing, the, doc- the people. They were knowledgeable enough to write the divorce, but they didn't know what they were doing. It's interesting. They have that question also if somebody shechted it. Most of the time, the people that shecht know what they're doing. You know, can you assume that most people who do it know what they're, you know, they train for this. You know, people don't, you don't do this if you don't know what you're doing. You know, what you'll, if, if a person, person butchers an animal, and you know, the, the, the owner's going to sue him, you know, like, first of all, you know, because he, he could have sold it as kosher, but because the guy didn't know, you know, what to do, he messed up on it. But Roy Bekiyanhain, over here we say most people know. That's why you can do it. And even like Remeir de Chayesh Lamiyah. Remeir is the famous warrior. He says, well, maybe we got that one person, that one court that didn't know they were doing. The average judge went to judge school and knows what they're doing. Uh, this is a chumrah, really, that the rabbis needed. Uh, and so they, rec- but really, uh, we normally would assume it's good, and so one witness is enough. And um, the rabbis, uh, it's a rabbinic requirement to confirm this. Uh, but we were, we were more lenient because uh, we allow only one witness. Let's just see the last Rashi on the page. The rabbi said, let's worry about this. So our question was, if we really have to worry, we need two witnesses. And the reason that we don't need two is we're not so worried. But the rabbi said, let's worry a little bit. Sometimes you have pre-written documents. And he said, sometimes you, they started writing it. Sometimes the husband would get angry with the wife and would say, he's writing the divorce. He calls up the Beisden, write the divorce. And then the, the Beisden, uh, he, he calms down. The Beisden would try to talk him out of it. And then meanwhile, they have it sitting there. And so, you know, they don't throw it away. And then another person comes and he says, oh, wow, same name, you know, the... Uh, and like I mentioned, you know, if you go to Crown Heights and the name is Mendel, you know, or, or it's, uh, you know, Mushka, you know, you'll, you'll have a lot of, you know, where you go to, 
to uh, Monroe and you have the name Israel, in certain cities, everybody has the same name, or a lot of people have the same name. Moshe and Sarah, whatever. You'll find many. So the scribe says, hmm, I don't have to write a new one. I already have one with that. And they changed their mind. So this is an expensive thing. It's a piece of parchment. So I'll use it. Um, and so that's why it's telling us that, no. They, they recycle the parchment? They, they, they erase it? Or? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes you can erase, you know, because it was, it was valuable. It was hard to come by. It had to be processed. It was a, a, everything was valuable to them in those days. There was nothing they, they threw away. Okay. Have a great day, everybody. Yeah.